Welcome to the Manufacturing Employer Podcast, where we talk workplace culture and all things related to the strategies that drive exceptional environments for employees. You'll hear conversations with those in the manufacturing space tasked with making their workplace better. Employee engagement, benefits, onboarding, hiring, we'll be discussing the working experience from top to bottom. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Manufacturing Employer. I'm your host, John Franco, co-founder of Gorilla76. We are the industrial marketing agency. We help manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. On today's show, we have Nichelle Grant joining us. Nichelle is head of diversity, equity, inclusion at Siemens USA, where she guides a commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion as a catalyst for growth and innovation. In her role, Nichelle is helping to shape a company culture in which all employees are empowered to achieve their full potential. Nichelle has more than 30 years of industry experience and first got involved with DEI on a volunteer basis, leading the company's employee resource groups, and diversity councils. She has played an integral role working with Siemens supply chain and procurement teams to increase supplier diversity efforts. Nichelle strives to help Siemens continue to drive an inclusive work environment to actively involve every employee's ideas, knowledge, perspectives, and approaches to maximize business success. She systematically applies data and analytics to meet customer diversity requirements that are now prereqs and conditions for all contracts. Under Nichelle's leadership, Siemens USA has received numerous accolades that speak to their workplace culture and commitment to diversity. Siemens has appeared on Forbes' America's Best Employers for Diversity list. The Corporate Academic Alliance Advancing Minorities' Interest in Engineering has named Siemens a top supporter for historically Black colleges and universities. In addition, Siemens has earned a 100% rating for multiple years on the Corporate Equality Index, supporting the best place to work for LGBTQ plus community and the Disability Equality Index, which is a national benchmarking of businesses to gauge their level of disability workplace inclusion. Holy cow, Michelle. What a background and what a resume. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Ready to get into it? Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's so much we can touch on. My ears perked up when I heard that this amazing career really got kicked off through volunteer work. I, I think this is something as leaders, we should always be encouraging people to do volunteer work and you never know where it can lead and what it can get into it. And, and that's not even the reason you do it in the first place. You do it because it's the right thing to do. But I don't know. I would love to hear more about your journey and how that role that volunteering has played getting you to where you are today. Yeah, again, thanks for the conversation, John. Looking forward to our dialogue. For me, across the many years, even before my career, even in grade school and high school and in college, volunteering to make sure human rights is always a key thing for me. And so I have just kept that up along my career path. And while I do my day-to-day -day job, I'm also advocating for others. And so I just continue that. And now I've really made it part of my day-to-day -day responsibilities across Siemens. That's amazing. Where did you think you got that as a young person? Like, was that just who you were as a person or was that influenced by peers or? Yeah, I, I would say I started with my parents, right? 
in our family, we have several civil rights uh, leaders, as well as different activities they put me through throughout my growing up, allowed me to just understand the importance of everyone being treated fairly and with respect. And so I've, I've latched on to that, and I think that's so key to being successful and for everyone to be successful in whatever they decide to do. I love that. I have so much to thank my parents for as well, kind of looking back and kind of the mindsets they gave me and I can relate. When it comes to DEI, what's your definition of it? Like if somebody, if you were in the elevator with somebody and and you got that 30 second kind of, what is DEI to you? Yeah, I would say to them, you know, while we say DEI or maybe you say DEIB, B meaning for belonging, they are each different and therefore they have their own definitions. So when I think about defining diversity, for me, it's defined as all those differences we each bring to the table. You know, how we acknowledge, value, and respect those differences is important. It goes beyond what we usually hear, like race, gender, et cetera. It also includes those diversities that we can't see, like thinking styles, work and background education, culture, things that you'll have to engage with me to know about me. Right? But then when you add inclusion into it, defining inclusion is really about engaging people in various interactions, right? Inclusion is greatest when we open up to hear and value opinions of others that think differently than ourselves. You've heard equity, D-E-I, right? E is for equity. And that's all about fairness. We really want to be treated with dignity and respect, but we also want fair opportunities. And so in the workplace, fairness plays a key role. You can have diversity, you can have inclusion, but are you treating people fairly? And equity happens when we don't let our biases get in our way, right? The decisions we're making, whether they're intentional or unintentional, don't exclude people, right? Really making sure that we're being fair and equitable. So that's how I define DEI. I think that was a great, obviously a great definition and so much more than like, here are just three words, which I think so many companies kind of, when they think about DI, they're like, well, we've got a statement and we've got, we're, it's important to us now. And, but it's like, we, it's something we try to check ourselves on often. And, and I know there's a lot more that we can be doing. And I know that quarter one of next year is going to more than likely that's going to be a focus of mine is kind of putting more time into kind of we we have like the 101 level programming i think and i'm ready to go more but as someone who is looking to improve ours i would love to know from you like what does a good dei program look like or like what does what what does it look like when it truly becomes part of your culture right well, you know, for me, it's like a formula, right? The D plus the E plus the I. You can't focus on just one or the other. It's all three because collectively you get belonging, which is a human essential need. I think you feel even more like you belong when you bring your diverse self to the table and you're able to fairly have opportunities to succeed. And, you know, it takes everyone, right, to really kind of take those different things into consideration. So when you think about a strong DEI program and what it looks like, each organization is different. You can't take necessarily exactly how I'm doing it and place it in yours, and I can't take yours and place it in mine. There's some basic principles, but what really comes to down to a strong DEI program is one that communicates, 
and practices each one of the D, the E, and the I, and holds people accountable, right? If you don't have that accountability, then what are we doing, right? A strong program respects and values the voice of its employees. You have to hear, react, and really make change happen. So for me, this is a tremendous opportunity to get to speak with someone like yourself who is running this at such a large company at such an effective i mean i got on glassdoor like you guys are you guys are walking the walk for sure where do you look for ideas you're one of the tops of this in the country so but i'm sure like to be one of the best you have to continue to be inspired yourself where do you get ideas where do you look to learn and improve yourself as a as a leader in this space well, you know, um, I think there, there's multiple different things. One, uh, I stay up on current events because things that are happening in society around us impact people and those people come to work and those people, we want people to be productive at work. And so we as an organization have to acknowledge that life is happening, right? Irregardless of what's happening in the workplace. And so we really want to make sure we're there to support our employees as best we can. Two, I also make sure that I interact with those that are doing the work that I'm doing. So there's other chief diversity officers that we kind of share best practices. What are you doing? What am I doing? How does this work best? What are some resources? What are different educators that can help us understand different topics better and deeper? And then I think lastly is um, it comes down to really making sure that I am able to walk the walk. How am I doing on my empathy, my listening, right? How can I make sure that I'm understanding other cultures different than my own, right? And so it's really important for me to stay uh, engaged with other employees, leaders, as well as other organizations and surround myself with those that allow me to edify my own knowledge so that I can do better in the job that I've been asked to do. I love that, that initial insight. It's something I've never really thought about. I think I do an average job. I think I could do a much better job. But the importance of keeping up with current events, and especially as you have the more diverse your team, the more that something happening in another region of the world could affect them based off where their family is. Where And I think knowing those things and trying to understand, it's almost like an HR cheat code. Like It's like this is an advantage you can give yourself if you just try to pay attention, just something that can kind of better. We're more interesting at a cocktail party, right? If you kind of know what's going on, but you're also going to be more effective at work. Right. And you can engage and influence people's thinking about different topics, give them a different viewpoint, right? That they may not have thought of. I love that. That's brilliant. Data and analytics. What role have they played in the success of your career to date? And, and kind of how are they... I don't know. How are they relevant to your role? Yeah, you know, data is very important, right? But in, in this particular instance, data in this space is typically a lagging indicator, right? It tells you what impact you have already accomplished. It also tells you where there may be areas that you need improvement. And while data is a part of what I would call uh, the success formula, it's not what we lead with. Really, what we lead with is we really want people to build a knowledge base. We want people to build awareness about people, culture, how to be a strong ally for others. We want people to champion and demonstrate being a role model, show empathy, show respect to all, 
We want people to be inclusive, right? And if people do these things day to day in whatever capacity they've been asked to do or whether they're hired to do, how DEI shows up every day will show up in your data down the line. So we don't necessarily lead with data. Data is a great point of time that says, here's how we're doing and here's where we need to improve or what we need to keep going with. But it really is about influencing how people behave in the workplace, right? Show up in the workplace and be a champion for what we're trying to do is really have a better society for all. Yeah, we use a lot of data. There's a tool we use called Office Vibe, which is kind of an employee success, like it kind of helps just track the employee engagement numbers, I guess I should say. And that data is amazing. To your point, it is a lagging indicator. I think in order for, and and I can't expect it to be anything else. I mean, you ask somebody something at a point in time, two minutes later, that's in the past, right? But this is like such a strong argument. I, we work with a lot of smaller manufacturing companies and and the ones that seem to be doing so well on just understanding the true health of their company and the metrics of their company seem to be people that walk the shop floor, so to speak, walk the halls, talk to people. There's no real feedback or data like that, I guess. It's just harder. It's more time consuming. Right. I mean, but that shows the dedication they have to the employees, right? Engaging with employees, getting to know the employees. I think the best thing about small to medium type organizations is they know most of their employees by name. They know about their families. They know beyond just, hey, this person has been hired to do this, right? And what that does is that gives the person a sense of being a part of the company and belonging. And it goes a long way by having that interaction and getting up out of your chair and out of your office and going and interacting with the employees, right, at all levels of the organization versus just looking at the data and say, oh, we have this many employees, this is what they're saying in the survey, and Here's what we're going to do, right? There's some interaction that has to happen for it to be truly inclusive and successful. I love that we kind of touched on the the smaller company element there because that was something I wanted to ask. You're representing a, a very large company. You have a lot of resources. You have a, a larger. I think a lot of times smaller companies hear DEI. It's something that they're like, well, yeah, we'd love to do it. It's just hard when we're this small. We don't think we can make that much of a difference. Are there any tips? Are there any thoughts? Are there just how would you approach a conversation like that with maybe somebody who is in HR at a at a smaller company? Yeah, I mean, we didn't get to this point overnight, right? It took years and years. I mean, 15 plus years we've been dedicated at driving this. And we really had to start with trying to decide what is our message, right? What are we really trying to stand for and stand with it and be resilient no matter what's happening in the world or in the organization or changes in organizational structure or growth of the organization? Here's what we're standing for. So my main advice is to pick one thing, just one thing and do it well. Again, communicate it. What was the impact that that one thing had? And then start the next thing. And add to that, right? And over time, you'll say, you'll look back and go, wow, look at all the things we've been able to do. Sometimes organizations like they take on too much, right? And then nothing gets done. But if you really want to start, you know, an employee resource group, choose one. If you want to begin to focus on disability, then do one activity. 
it may be a focus on uh, your DEI message, right, to the employees and the customers. Start small and build from there. Don't try to boil the ocean. I love that. It's funny. I recently recorded a podcast where we were talking about how to get a benefits package and and just an experience to evolve. And something that we've done at Gorilla, like I always wanted to cover 100% of our employees' insurance. We're small. That was a lot of money. We started out at 75. Every so often, we'd up at 5%, another 5%. It got much easier for us to take it on as a company. It communicated to the employees that we were constantly looking at this. I think that's true with anything in our kind of HR world. A DEI program is a big, it can be a big daunting task. To your point, if you start small and just focus on one thing and then another thing, I think that's, that is such a good way to tackle these big challenging initiatives. Right. And I would also add to what you're saying is that it's not uh, what I like to say. It's not DEI over here and running the business over here. It's how you're running the business. So where are things that you're already doing where you can integrate DEI type elements into it? So you're not doing something on top of, right? You're executing what you've been asked to do with the DEI lens. Well, and in that way, you're like truly building it into the culture, right? Like you're not adding things on. You're like, no, this is ingrained in who we are as a company. I love that. To me, at least what I've noticed is successful HR and adding people to a team and, and building a team. So much of it comes down to two things, recruitment and then retaining, right? Like those are like kind of the two, getting the people in there and then keeping them. Is there a role that DEI efforts play into that? into the recruiting process, into the retention process? I mean, I, I think there obviously are, but I would love to hear from you about that. Yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of times when people think about a DEI program, that's the first thing they go to, recruiting. Oh, it's all about recruiting. You know, maybe they think about retaining as well. But just for the record, DEI is much broader than just HR, right? But within those particular two things, recruiting and retaining, we did two things. We wanted to expand our aperture. Where are we getting candidates from and diversifying our ecosystem? Who are we working with? And looking at it across the whole employee life cycle from the application process all the way to perhaps even if they leave the organization, right? So it's not only focusing on bringing in all diversities, but it's also maintaining the employees that are already at Siemens. And we also have programs that focus on employee experience, professional development, upskilling, mentoring, right? So it's the whole employee experience that you have from, hello, would you like to apply to this job to thank you for all of your service, right? And so it's really important that we think through this recruiting, retaining dance that happens where people don't get too one-sided and say, well, we're not recruiting enough. But what are you doing to retain? Because they may be going out as fast as they're coming in. And then you're like, wait, why is our numbers still the same? I don't get it. There's something in your your process and your programming, your culture that are having people leave, right? People leave, but you know what I mean, more than what you want them to. And so we really rather make sure that we are looking at not only diversifying where we're getting candidates from and working with the hiring managers, but really give some some love, if you will, to the employees that are already here. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I think it's very similar to kind of our approach. 
at Gorilla, it's so hard to find good people. That's almost a negative. It's not that it's so hard to t- find good people. It's just very apparent whenever you're running a business, how important good people are. And I think naturally we we value that and we think, oh, they must be hard to find. And, and it takes work to hire and it takes time. And it also is just anytime you have that revolving door, it can just hurt the culture in general. Like people are seeing people leaving, they're there, it's disrupting their work. It's it's just not good. Right. And, and times have changed since I began my career. Now people have a voice and a choice, right? And so it's not just that they, you know, when they come to the table and say, hey, I'm applying for this job, we're really applying for them to be want to work for us as well. So they're asking us questions that make their deciding decision of, do I really want to work for this organization? So we have to keep that in mind that it's not one-sided as it was in years past. Right now, it's it's pretty much almost the other way around, where it's like, mm, are we really attracting people to want to work for us? That's so true. And it's something I try to always remind our hiring. I, I try to remind myself and make sure I'm always aware of that. And I try to remind anyone that's on the hiring committee anytime we're hiring, like, this is a, and, and I remind the candidate as well, like this is a decision you have to make as well. And it's it's a lot like a dating or anything else. It's two people to, or two two organizations, two entities trying to figure out if they're a right fit for each other. And if it's not a right fit, that can be okay too. It saves everyone time and trouble later on, I guess. So before we wrap up here, what trends, focuses, things you're excited about as we kind of turn the page on another year? Like what's on Nichelle's radar for 2024? Siemens is a global technology company. One of our focuses is really ensuring that technology really is reflecting society it's meant to serve. And so as a company, we really have to see how is our digital journey happening? All companies are evolving in a digital journey. So therefore, how does the company really become a digital company with all their voices mattering in what they're trying to do? So as you're creating technology, deploying it, distributing it, simply using it, right? How does that really infuse DEI and B, which is so important in the technology? So it's smarter and evolves faster and it's even better, right? Without harming or excluding right, unintentionally which also relates to another trend is really on thinking about how do you continue to empower, right? Strengthening that empowerment rather than a command and control, right? Empowerment stems from a trust-based leadership. And it's really about, I would say, putting the networks together over those hierarchical type of settings. It's really about regulating and regularly engaging with the people. We talked about that, right? Having dialogue with people, going on the shop floor, really engage with the, the employees on the day-to-day. We really create these spaces where people can collaborate, ask questions, challenge the status quo. We can only get better as we challenge that status quo. And so empowerment is a, is a key word for us, really focusing on opportunities for people to have their voices heard and really realize their full potential. So those are a couple of things, that technology and empowerment. I love that. I, I think with empowerment can often come, what you were saying kind of made me think about this, come also with the benefit, I'll call it, of creating space where people have permission to fail. Obviously, you want to keep failure contained and limited, but provided it's nothing just awful, 
and provided it's not constantly being repeated, like that failure can be the best learning opportunity for someone later on. So that's something I sometimes challenge myself with. I'm like, I have to, not that I always know the answers anyway, but sometimes I'll almost see something where I'm like, I think this could be, but I need to give this person the space where they can kind of explore this. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but you know what, as long as we learn from that, I think that's all that matters. So I try to empower people in that way, I guess, at times. Anything we didn't cover that you'd like to speak to today? Well, you know, just kind of keeping on the thing of what we're focusing on, you know, I, I recently published a blog series. Um, oh, nice. Belonging in a digital world. And it really builds off that diverse teams is not enough, right? There's a there's a core piece of the puzzle, and it's the need for belonging. It's a two-part series. I, I can see the link. I, 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 I share I would, I, Yeah, I would love to know how people can find out about that. I'll send you the link, and then they can find it on the usa.siemens.com page under USA Stories. That's usa.siemens.com on Siemens USA Stories. And, you know, really what I'm sharing is that, you know, belonging matters more than ever in this moment, right? We have rapid change, technological advancements, but to really instill a sense of belonging in the workplace and the workplace DNA, right, and integrating it like we talked about, it has to be a part of everything we do. And I share recommendations on how we create these psychological safety spaces that empower our teams to thrive. Check it out, right? Because it's really a moment in time where this digital transformation, it's our responsibility to make sure these tools that we're creating really continue to grow and have a greater purpose, right? We call it uh, humanly possible and it's technology with purpose, right? More inclusive, more equitable for society for all. That point on belonging just really resonated. And, and to bring it full circle with what we were talking about to start kind of the show, like, or we talked about early, I guess, the importance of current events. And like, if you pay attention to the news right now, there's all sorts of research about the loneliness pandemic, right? And like, work is a place where people can feel belonging. That's a great example of exactly what you you were talking about there, like the importance of keeping up on current events. I think belonging to your to your point is going to be more important than ever next year and probably the year after that, et cetera. So I, I love that we kind of wrapped it up with that. Yeah. I mean, that's so, so important to really realize the pandemic is one great example of really engaging with people, right? We went from seeing you every day in the hall, perhaps, of a brick and mortar to now we're each in our respective homes, isolated. What does that do for someone, right? What's going on in their world? And really engaging with people and making sure they still feel like they belong, no matter where they physically may sit, is so key for the workplace culture. That's so good. I love it. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. If our Listeners want to get in touch with you. I'm assuming LinkedIn. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I think the best way to get in touch with me is on LinkedIn. Michelle Grant would be uh, in Michelle with an N. Yeah. Well, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. To Michelle, thanks for coming on the show. And I'll catch everyone on the next episode of The Manufacturing Employer. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Employer Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about our approach to industrial marketing and the role the company culture has in moving manufacturing forward, visit Gorilla76.com.